So glad you guys could make it tonight. We're still journeying through Exodus. Uh, have y'all been enjoying the fellowship that we've been having in Exodus? It's been so good. We saw last week the function of the Word of God, uh, so many blessings that we have when we come to the Word of God as a loving seeker. And that was based off seeing how the law is God's Word, and the law is God's Word. Wanted to, he wanted to infuse His loving seekers with Himself to make them His living expression. And we're continuing in Exodus tonight. We're going to be in Exodus 21, and we come to an awesome crystal, okay? So before we get into it, just to make sure everybody, um, okay, good. Just want to make sure nobody has their back to me, because it helps if I can see your face. All right? Everybody good? Excellent. Okay. So in Exodus 21, Moses is now on the mountain, and God is speaking with him. And Exodus 21 begins God speaking concerning the ordinances that he wants his people to live by. And, you know, brothers and sisters, we always got to remember this principle that when we come to the Word of God, we want to have a specific type of glasses that we like to put on so we can see something. Right. Y'all know what these glasses are? They're Christ glasses. <laughs> you want to put your Christ glasses on so that when you come to the Word, you see Him. And so when we get into Exodus 21 tonight, we are going to see Christ. So that brings us to the title of the message. How about let's read it all together? Ready, go. So we're going to be looking at a lot of verses tonight, and I hope your hearts are soft, warm, and open to God's Word because these verses are going to unveil to us Christ in such a sweet way, a way that... Uh, he could, get, he could have a way among us to captivate us and fall more in love with Him and constrain us to live to Him. Let's read uh, Big Roman 1 there. Ready, go. So before we read Exodus 21, 2 through 6, this portion right here, okay, it presents this marvelous diamond in the Word of Christ as a slave of God. And it's going to be talking about a Hebrew servant and the Hebrew servant in this passage is a type of Christ as the slave of God. So how about let's go ahead and read these verses, Exodus 21, 2 through 6. Um, and let's alternate. Let's have the bros on the first verse, the sisters on the second verse alternating through. And pay attention, pay really close attention to the last two verses, okay? So bros, start us off with verse 2. Ready, go. So the slave here, he has a master, 
He has a wife. He has daughters. And he willingly chooses, even though he has the option to go out free, he chooses not to go out free because the servant plainly says, I love my master, my wife, and my children. I will not go out free. So this is a type of Christ as the slave of God. And Christ is presented as a slave throughout many portions of Scripture, especially in the Gospel of Mark. Mark is writing his Gospel looking at the aspect of Christ as the slave savior. Savior, you see it. And from beginning to end, you just see Christ. He's just there as a slave, serving God and serving man. But, you know, the story of Christ becoming a slave doesn't begin with the portion in the Gospels. It begins much, uh, much before that. And it actually begins in eternity past. In eternity past, you had the eternal triune God. And the triune God had a council. And verses show us that according to the determined council and foreknowledge of God, the second in the Godhead, the Son, would become a man and die on the cross as a slave. And as a man, he would fulfill God's purpose. This was a council that took place in eternity past and unfolded out through time. And the Apostle Paul, he actually had a revelation of this that he presents to us in Philippians chapter 2. How about let's do this, y'all? Let's, um, let's all read just verse 6 there. Philippians chapter 2, verse 6. Ready, go. Okay, just want to make some comments here. Underline existing. This word existing, first of all, that who there is talking about Christ Jesus. Christ Jesus, who? Existing in the form of God. This existing implies Christ, eternal coexistence with God the Father. That's that existence. And so Paul begins here, begins this revelation of Christ as a slave of God. He starts off with a view into eternity past, where Christ is there with his eternal coexistence with God the Father in the form of God. Circle the form of God. I'm going to put a big circle around that because we're going to come back to that. The form of God, what does this mean? Okay, catch this. This is the majestic, glorious expression of God in the Godhead. That's the form of God that Christ had. The majestic, glorious expression of God in the Godhead. But you know what? There was a consideration in Christ. He did not consider being equal with God a treasure to be grasped. The Lord, He didn't exercise His right to cling to the form of God. He didn't didn't hold on to it, even though He had every right to do so. Cling to the form of God, the majestic, glorious expression of God. But what did He do? Verse 7, take note there, but emptied Himself. Now this emptying is not... Christ emptying Himself of His deity. Christ is God. 
but it was an emptying of himself uh, by not clinging to the form of God. You have to think about it. The majestic, glorious expression of God, His radiance, the Lord, that's such a treasure that the Lord had every right to hang on to. What a treasure. But He considered not being equal with God and didn't hold on to the form of God as the treasure but emptied himself. See verse 7, and what did he do? He took the form of a slave. Circle form of a slave. So here you have to notice Paul's contrast. He's contrasting two forms. You know, the first form that Paul brought out is that Christ is existing in the form of God, the majestic splendor, glorious expression of God. He's contrasting that not with the form of man, but something lower. He's contrasting the form of God to the form of a slave. He's contrasting the highest status in the universe to the lowest status. The form of God to a form of a slave. The Lord emptied Himself, taking the form of a slave. He took on the very nature an expression of a slave. And we'll see that in some verses coming up. He became in the likeness of men, so in every way Christ was discernible as a genuine human being just like us in this room. And he, being found fashioned as a man, what did he do? He kept descending, kept lowering himself. He humbled himself. Paul is presenting here the dissension of Christ. Remember, this is not a, um, we're not talking about Christ losing his deity. That's not what we're talking about. But we're just talking about his dissension to the position of a slave so that he can serve God and serve man. He humbled himself, becoming obedient. The Lord had to learn obedience in every way. And this obedience led him to something. It led him to die. Can you believe that? The Lord is a slave, obedient to every word of his master, God. His obedience caused him to journey on the track to the cross, to death. And like Paul mentions here, he brings out some more detail concerning this death. This is the death of a cross. Not just an ordinary death, but a, but a death on the cross, which in the eyes of the Jews, if you died on the cross, um, you were cursed. Any man hanging on a tree is cursed. And in the eyes of the Romans, they're the ones that invented this, and that was even horrific to them. And if you were to die on the cross, the death of a cross was reserved for the lowest of criminals and for slaves. This is our Lord Jesus Christ. This is our Lord. From the form of God to a form of a slave, not clinging to what was his own, the form of God, the continual emptying, the humbling, the obedience unto death, and not just an ordinary death, but a horrific, excruciating, shameful death, the death of a slave. So this is what Paul presents to us in Philippians chapter 2. And um, many more verses are enlightening concerning Christ as a slave of God. From the Gospels, we know he came to serve... 
And uh, in the Gospel of Mark, it shows us how he served the unbelievers. He um, preached the gospel of the kingdom to them. He released the light in God's word through his teaching. Cast out demons, cleansed the lepers. This is how he served the unbelievers. But in Luke 22, we have a verse, we have some verses that shows us how the Lord serves believers. So I'm just going to read this really quick. And he said to them, the kings of the Gentiles lorded over them, and those who have authority over them are called benefactors. But you shall not be so. But let the greatest among you become like the youngest, and like the one who leads, like the one who serves. For who is greater, the one who reclines at table or the one who serves? Is it not the one who reclines at table? But I am in your midst as the one who serves. This is the Lord Jesus Christ, and his speaking is to the disciples, which that's us today. And brothers and sisters, um, I hope we all realize that tonight, us being gathered into the Lord's name, the Lord is in our midst. And he's in our midst as one who is desiring to serve us. So continuing on, can we go to the next slide, please? This is the night before the Lord's crucifixion. When you think about this, how would you spend the night before uh, what would you be doing if you knew the very next day you were going to die on the cross? Well, this is the Lord. John chapter 13, he rose from supper, Jesus, laid aside his outer garments, and taking a towel, he girded himself. Then he poured water into the basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. Then the Lord says, You call me the teacher and the Lord. And you say, rightly, for I am. If I then, the Lord and the teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash another's feet. Have you ever called Jesus the Lord? You've said rightly. He is the Lord. He owns the highest position in the universe. And if you want to assign a title to Jesus, you just call him Lord and you're giving him the highest title in the universe. But here, the Lord says, You call me the teacher and the Lord, and you say rightly, If I then, the Lord and the teacher, have washed your feet. What kind of person is this, brothers and sisters? The highest person in the universe that would humble himself in such a way the night before he's about to die and position himself. If I'm going to wash Carrie's feet, I have to be lower than Carrie. You call me the Lord, rightly, but yet here I am as the Lord, lowering myself so I can serve you in the way of washing your feet. This is the Lord Jesus Christ as a slave, serving the night before his crucifixion. Okay, what about his resurrection? The Lord died and he, and he resurrected, praise him, three days later. Um, can we go? Excellent. Next slide. How about let's read these two verses all together, okay? Ready to go. So, okay, a little back, background here. The disciples, 
they become backslidden, led in by Peter, led by Peter. You know, Peter denied the Lord three times. They went back to their old profession, which the Lord had called them out of earlier in the Gospels. And they're there trying to make a living. They've been fishing all night in their professional fishermen, and they've caught zero. The Lord shows up as the resurrected Lord, the one who has been given all authority in heaven and on earth. He shows up and asks him, you don't have any fish to eat. They said no. And the Lord says, cast a net on the other side. They hauled in an abundance of fish. John realizes it is the Lord. Peter jumps out the boat, swims to the Lord. The disciples get there. You have to think about this. These ones whom the Lord has just poured himself into for the past three and a half years, they're backslidden. They, the Lord told them, you need to be at this place at this time. And they definitely weren't there. They backslid into their old profession, into their old ways. And you are the resurrected and ascended Lord. All authority on heaven and on earth has been given to you. And you show up on the scene to the ones who have uh, turned their back on you and whom you've poured the last three and a half years into. What are you going to do? Well, the Lord serves them. He has everything ready for them when they get there. The coals, the bread, the fish. And he tells them, come and have breakfast. And the Lord, of course, takes the food and serves them. So sweet, right? The Lord is quite a slave of God. And the Lord is serving us today. And and even more touching, um, the Lord, when he comes back as the king with the kingdom to establish his 1,000-year reign, he's going to do something very touching. So can we go to the next verse here? How about let's all read Luke 12, 37 together. Ready, go. He will come to them. That them there is the watchful believers in the kingdom. He's going to come to them. And He's going to serve them. What is this? This is the Lord's time. The kingdom has been manifested. The king has come back. He's establishing His reign on the earth. And yet, there's an aspect of of the king with the kingdom, with His watchful believers, that... He's going to have them recline at table, and He's going to serve them. What a slave of God. So you have to consider, y'all, this is tremendous. What a, what a panorama this is from eternity past. Christ existing in the form of God, but emptying Himself, taking on the form of a slave, serving unbelievers, serving believers, serving the night before His crucifixion, serving in resurrection, serving us now in His heavenly ministry, will serve us in the kingdom. So what, is, what can be operating within Him to cause Him to do such a thing? What is in His heart motivating Him to serve in such a way as a slave of God? What is the basis of the Lord's service as a slave of God? Well, we go back to the verses in Exodus, and this is where we have to really appreciate the picture that we have here. It gives us a window 
into Christ's heart, showing us what was motivating him throughout his service uh, during all these verses that we just looked at. So moving on to the outline, we're coming back to the outline now. We're going to look at Exodus 21.5. And um, we're going to look at some verses here that tie some phrases in Exodus 21.5 to some verses in the New Testament, okay? And every verse in this New Testament that we're going to read is going to have love and sacrifice in it. So that's what we want to see. Now you go back. The servant, which is a type of Christ in Exodus 25, he, uh, he says plainly, the servant says plainly, I love my master, my wife, and my children. I will not go out free. So we know if the servant there is a type of Christ, who's the master, who's the wife, who's the children that the Lord loves and that is constraining him to not go out free? This is where the verses in the New Testament are going to help us. Okay, I love my master. Who is that? John 14, 31. Let's all read that. Ready, go. So y'all see what's underlined there? I love the Father. I love my Master. Exodus 21.5 I love the Father. John 14.31 And the Father is speaking to the Lord and He's speaking not in the way of something to suggest to the Lord. But you notice the Father commands the Lord. In addition to Christ being the Son of God, He's also the slave of God, and you command slaves. And so the Lord is being commanded by the Father, and because He loves the Father, He's going to do what the Father commands. And so He says, I love the Father, and as the Father commanded me, so I do. Rise, let us go from here. What is the Father commanding? What is this rising? Where is the Lord going? Rising, let us go from here. Well, if you look at John 18, the Lord knows what's about to happen because He's just the slave with the open ear listening to every word that the Father is commanding Him and being constrained by that love to obey the Father's word. He's rising to go to the garden to meet Judas and the mob that's going to take Him, which is going to eventually cause Him to be crucified on the cross. As the Father commanded me, so I do. Rise, let us go from here. So we see love, obedience, and sacrifice in this verse. How about I love my wife? Who is that referring to? Ephesians 5.25, let's read that. Ready, go. So this is the Apostle Paul. And he's making a parallel between husbands and wives and Christ and the church. Christ is the real husband and the church as the real wife. And it says here, Christ also loved the church. And out of love for the church, what did he do? He gave not something, but he gave up his very self so that he could have her. The Lord loves the church. And the Lord's love for the church was constraining him to be, be obedient, to go to the cross, shed his blood 
as the price to obtain the church as his wife. What about the children? Who's that? Let's read Galatians 2.20b. Ready, go. Son of God, that's the Lord Jesus Christ. He loved me. Notice it doesn't say loved us. But this is a personal, this is something very personal. I, I hope all of us have at least tasted one time Christ's love for us personally and individually. You know, not only when the Lord went to the cross did he have this corporate entity called the church as his wife in his heart, but he also had each and every one of us in his heart, loving us, causing him to be motivated to go to the cross and bear in his body each and every one of our sins. And the Lord, he was constrained, he loves us, and again, he didn't give up something, but he gave himself up for each and every one of us in this room because he loves us. This is Christ as the slave of God, loving the children and not going out free. Brothers and sisters, isn't Christ awesome? What a Christ we have as the slave of God. And the Lord Jesus Christ as the slave of God, he desires something. He wants to live again on this earth today. How is he going to do that? He's going to live again as the slave of God, serving God and serving man through all of his believers. As a believer in Christ, we have received this very person who we've been talking about up to this point. We have him in our spirit right now. Aren't you thankful for that? In and of ourselves, we don't come close to this. But we have the one who's done it all. We have the slave of God in our spirit right now. And he wants to live again today on this earth. And that's why we have Roman number two, the believers as slaves of God in Christ Jesus. How about let's read Romans 12, 11. Ready, go. Do not be Circle that serving right there. That word serving in Greek is douloi. And that literally means serving as a slave. Do not be slothful in zeal, but be burning in spirit. Interesting, that's where the slave of God is. Be burning in spirit, serving as a slave, the Lord. That's what that verse is saying. And... Uh, before going into the next verse, you know, we don't have too many details about what we're going to be doing in eternity future, in and as the new Jerusalem. We don't have a lot of details. But we do have this verse right here, Revelation 22.3, which gives us a detail concerning what we will be doing for eternity. Let's read Revelation 22.3. Ready, go. Y'all, this is eternity future. Like, there's no more time. We're in eternity future now. God's purpose has been accomplished. Uh, we've become his counterpart. We've been built up, transformed, 
conformed. We are the new Jerusalem. And in and as the new Jerusalem, we will be serving God as slaves for eternity. Awesome. So we better get ready, right? That's what we're going to be doing, an aspect of what we're going to be doing for eternity. We better get ready. Well, how are we going to do that? How can we become genuine slaves of God, serving God and serving man? Okay, we have to go back to Philippians, Philippians 2, 6 through 8. You know, those portion of verses, that Paul is presenting to us a living pattern, an organic pattern that is actually in our spirit right now, the Lord Jesus Christ. And right before he gets into the, the meaty details of the pattern in Philippians 2, 6 through 8, he addresses us in Philippians 2, 5. So you have it there on your sheet. How about let's read it. Ready, go. This is what Paul says. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. This can really happen. The very mind that was in Christ. Paul is saying, let this mind be in you. And the literal translation of let this mind be in you is think this in you. Think this in you. So as the Lord was going through the process that you see in Philippians 2, 6-8, through 8, from the form of God, but not considering being equal with God and, and, and grasping this treasure, but this process of emptying, process of taking the form of a slave, process of becoming in the likeness of men, being found in fashion as a man, process of being humbled, Humbled and constrained, even obedient unto death. There was a thinking that was operating in Christ. And that very thinking, Paul says, let that thinking be in you. So, you know, the mind, the reason Paul addresses the mind here is that the mind is the leading part of the soul. And it pretty much governs everything that we do. So how can we let the Lord... Uh, allow him and his mind to invade and saturate our mind so that the very thinking in Christ can be in us. Yeah. All right, how about uh, we're going to go to Mark 10 45. I'll just read it. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. The Son of Man came to serve. And, brothers and sisters, um, this is a part of kind of what's on my heart tonight, is that not that we're stirred up to do something for God, do something for Christ, but we would let Christ do what he came to do, which is serve. Let the Lord serve us. And what the Lord is serving us with is just himself. He's serving us with the slave life that we've seen through all these verses. A life that serves God and serves man. And as the Lord is serving us, He spreads from our spirit into our mind, into our soul, and, and we begin to express the life of Christ as a slave of God, serving God and serving man. And really, brothers and sisters, what we can do, we need to open the Bible. How about that? Are you thankful for the Bible? Yes. I'm thankful for the Bible because 
when we open that thing, and when we open our being to the Lord, desiring to get Him in the Word, and when we read the Word, and we pray the Word, we are giving the Lord away to come to us and minister His slave life into us. I had an experience earlier this week. I woke up, I was really tired, um, just trying to exercise to have a regular time to contact the Lord in the morning. I remember sitting on the couch, and I had the Word open. I'd been reading it, praying a little bit, trying to open to the Lord. And I just had the sense, the Lord, just He just came to me. And He didn't come to me uh, with His majesty, with His glory, with His authority, with His lordship. But this is my honest feeling, brothers and sisters. He came to me uh, in a status that was lower than me so that he could serve me. I told the Lord that morning, I said, Lord, if you don't serve me, I can't serve you today. And I just had the sense the Lord was there in a position of a slave, lower than me, serving me. And it was such a sweet experience. So I encourage you guys, uh, open the Bible, open your heart, open your mind, enjoy the Lord and His Word, and allow Him to serve you with this slave life. And also another thing that we can do to enter in and become the Lord's uh, reproduction on this earth as a slave of God so that the Lord can live again through us. Another thing that we can do is take heed to what the Lord touches us with because He's the slave of God in our spirit and He touches us. He speaks to us in certain situations. Like, how about this? I don't know if y'all have ever done this before. I've done this uh, in the positive and negative sense. You get a phone call and you're in the middle of something. And I just got a new iPhone. I'm kind of stoked about it. But um, you, you look at the caller ID and you're just like, oh man, that brother's calling me. I know he's going to ask for something. I know he's going to need something. And I'm definitely in the middle of something right now. And it's kind of late and I'm kind of tired. And then you just kind of pause for like five seconds, ten seconds. It's like on the third or fourth ring. And Christ, as the slave of God, he'll just touch you. You need to put your finger on the phone and press the green button. And you need to answer the phone. Or you're sitting in class, and um, there's a classmate sitting next to you. And there, the Lord is in your spirit as the slave of God, and he just touches you. How about just speaking a little something to this person? Sacrifice your face, sacrifice your convenience, and just minister some Christ. It's in these situations when we go along with the Lord's inward touching, inward speaking, we experience him as the slave of God. And as we experience him, the Lord spreads more, into, spreads more from our spirit into our soul that he can live again through us as the slave of God. And so I hope this is encouraging with you guys. I was touched this week. Lord, I realized that I'm so far short of being a genuine slave of God, serving God and serving man. But thank you, Lord, I have you in my spirit. Amen. And thank you, Lord, I have the word. I can open to you to serve me with your slave life. I can take heed to what you're speaking to me within and go along with that. 
You'll have a way to spread more from my spirit into my soul and produce me. Not me trying to do something, but the Lord's inward operation to produce me. And then all of us as a slave of God in Christ Jesus, serving God and serving man. And as the more, you'll find this out, brothers and sisters, and I guarantee you the ones that have been in the fellowship, enjoying the fellowship, allowing Christ to serve them, Christ growing from their spirit and their soul, the ones that have been around a year plus, I guarantee you, because Christ has spread more in you, you have more love for him. And you love the church more. And you love each and every believer more. And it's the love for your master, Christ. And it's the love for the wife, the church. And it's the love for the children. Each and every believer will begin to work in us, energize us, motivate us, and constrain us to tell our master, I'm not going to go out free. I serve you. I serve you. Serve the brothers and the sisters. Serve unbelievers. Serve sinners because I love you. I love the church and I love each and every believer of Christ. So this is Christ as a slave of God and this is the believers of sla- as slaves of God and of Christ Jesus. And I hope all y'all are encouraged and I hope the Lord can bring us more and more into this kind of slave life because it's through his slaves the Lord serving them and producing them as such slaves with the serving life that the Lord will fulfill his eternal purpose with. So we're going to break up now into groups. And if you take a look at your reading on the back, um, this is just a suggestion, but there's some questions at the bottom. So feel free uh, after the reading or before the reading to fellowship along the lines of those questions, but it's totally optional. But how about let's group up right now small groups and have some fellowship on the content that was released tonight, okay?